Hey guys, welcome to another session of Own Your Power. It's been kind of a fun series, huh? Have you guys been seeing some shifts in your lives as far as walking out on some of the ideas in Own Your Power? Well, today, if I haven't met you, my name is Nancy and I'm the lead pastor here at Searchlight. And <laughs> that, that must have been my husband. <laughs> Anyway, uh, today we're going to talk about the power of ownership. Now, let me kind of walk you through what I'm specifically referring in the power of ownership, because ownership can mean quite a number of things. Uh, we had talked about last week the power of boundaries and the concept of the fact that certain things belong to us, being clear on what belongs to us and what belongs to other people. And so today, I'm going to specifically be looking about the value of being clear on what our part is, specifically in difficult things, in, in ways that we uh, fall short, in ways of, that we kind of miss the mark. And why would we want to own that? Why would we want to even be eager to own that? And how do we do it in a way that doesn't just make us feel like garbage and big losers and we suck? So... <laughs> so let's take a look at this. I, first, I want to go back to the scripture that we started with in the boundary session um, that's sort of our boundaries theme verse in Galatians um, 6. And we are on the, the Bible app called YouVersion. If you want to plug in there, you can put in Searchlight or Own Your Power or The Power of Ownership or Saratoga, California. And any of those should be able to get you to the scriptures for today. Uh, if you'd like to follow along there, and you can take notes in there as well. So Galatians 6, in verse 2, it says, Bear one, another bur one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And that's relating to, we had talked about last week, that there are certain burdens that are too big to just do it by ourselves. That the load is so heavy that we shouldn't be even trying to carry it ourselves, that, that God's designed us to be in community and in relationship to one another, that there's certain things that, are, uh, that we need help with. And that's actually what we're going to talk about next week. Patty's going to talk about the power of others and needing others in our lives. And then in verse 3 it says, For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Not being in touch with reality about ourselves. Um, in verse 4 it says, But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. And, so, and then it says in verse 5, For each one shall bear his own load. So today what we're going to really be focusing on is why we want to be eager to bear our own load. The part, not, oh, not take too much responsibility, but what's the part that we really want to look at in life and even be eager to look at. So... Um, you know, um, my husband Adam just got back in from New York on um, late Friday night, and he was telling me that he had, um, he got stuck sitting next to somebody on a plane that just talked the entire time about that he was married three times, and guess whose fault it was every single one of the three times? It was the women he married for three times in a row. And he just went on and on and on and on about, you know, how it was their fault that his three marriages, and somehow he's not seeing that there's a connection that maybe there could be a part that he plays. So this is what we want to talk about is 
One of the bad things about not owning your part is you can't fix it or change things. If there are patterns in your life, and yes, you could be picking terrible people in the romantic category, but if you don't look at what's going on with you that you're picking the terrible people, then you can't change that and it can't shift. So we want to, no matter what, we want to be clear, okay, yes, maybe they were terrible people, but, uh, you know, or not terrible people, but you know what I mean, I'm being dramatic. Um, but what is the part that we play? Because we want to take a look at that because, and we want to get to the place that, that it's not so painful to look at our faults and our shortcomings. Now, I'm not talking, we had been talking in the, um, in some of the earlier sessions about embracing failure, which I think is a, is a big thing too, of just that normalizing failure. But we also want to understand and, and embrace the places that we screw up. You know, it's not just, I guess failure, they kind of relate, but one is kind of more, um, well, I tried and I'm learning and growing and I didn't do it very well. And in the area that I want to specifically kind of talk about is areas that we do things that hurt others or, or kind of more, um, you know, hurtful in relationships or moral issues or just things like that that we all need to grow in and change in. And so one of the things is that we want to get where it's not so painful to hear it or to look at it. That it doesn't feel like because there's areas that are short in our life that it's agonizing to us to hear about it. That our first go-to is, oh, that's not my fault. Oh, it's on them. Or, you know, obviously Adam did that in the garden, you know, in the garden, you know, originally when um, he disobeyed God and ate, you know, of the tree of, good and, of knowledge of good and of evil. And his first go-to was, it's the woman's fault and that you gave me her. So it's your fault too, God. So, <laughs> I, you know, God's like, okay, I told you. But he's like, no, no, it's her fault. She's the one that got me to do this. And it's your fault, God, for making the woman. So, <laughs> so, the, so it keeps us stuck to have it be that our, that our an initial reaction to things in life is not me. You know, and that comes from not understanding love and grace, that we are loved just the way we are, even with those failings and shortcomings. That's why God sent Jesus. Um, but that there are also patterns. Another area of this that we talked about a little bit in the first session where we talked about the power of choice is that we talked about the fact that there's a circle of influence and a circle of concern. And a circle of influence is what we're, it's smaller than the circle of concern. Circle of concern is this big circle that is everything that we care about, everything that concerns us. The circle of influence is a smaller circle inside that, and that's what we can do something about. So we want to also, in our relationships or our circumstance, really watch how much time do we spend thinking or talking about what other people are doing to contribute to the problem versus what's the part that we play. You know, because you can talk to your blue in the face about, but they won't do that, but they won't listen, but they won't, they won't, they won't. And guess what? It's going to make you powerless. There's nothing, you could talk to your blue in the face. We're going to have a, another session on Own Your Power called The Power of Letting Go that we'll talk about how do you deal with that because it is a reality in life that we have other people, you know, that aren't doing their part. And so how do we, 
deal with that. That'll be in the letting go part. But right now, I want to just say, take a look at your conversation and your dialogue and interrupt it if you find yourself spending excessive amounts of time or really any great length of time that's not moving you forward. If it's not grieving, you know, and if it's not looking for something you can do to not be spending conversation talking about what everybody else is doing that's causing the problem. So um, anyway, it's kind of like, let's go to uh, Romans 3. Um, but it's kind of like, I always like to think about this, maybe I heard it someplace years ago, but it just really helps me. As far as wanting to look at things that are unpleasant, it's kind of like being in a room with a cobra in it. Would you want the lights on or the lights off? With the lights off, you don't know that the cobra's there, so you could feel great about that. You're in a room with a cobra. You don't know it's there. You feel fine, totally fine. You feel safe. It's wonderful, but guess what? You're far from safe. It's a big problem, right? It, you're in a dangerous place and don't even realize it. Or it, would, it feels more stressful to be in a room with the cobra with the light on where you actually get that it's there, and that's stressful. But guess what? You get to do a lot about it. It's empowering. And so that's, why, that's one of the reasons why we want to get where our lifestyle and our habit is owning things. Now, owning things is not shaming voices, and we're going to talk about that, too, today. Because I think people get that mixed up. They go, I beat up on myself a lot, so I do that. That's not owning things. Beating up on yourself and saying horrible things to yourself is not the same as ownership. So let's take a look at Romans 3. These are a couple of verses that sort of normalize that it should be okay to look at this stuff. It says in Romans 3 and verse 23, it says... For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, in Romans, the book of Romans is all about grace and why we need Jesus. The book of Romans, if you read the beginning of it, it scares people sometimes because it just talks about the depravity of humanity. And, you know, it's just saying everybody's hideous. You know, we're all liars and, you know, we're all greedy and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, yuck, ugh, ugh. But, and a lot of people just stay there and go, wow, that's what God thinks of us. But the message of Romans is that no matter what, we can't do it ourselves. That there's nothing, no matter how perfect we think we live, we cannot live a perfect life. And that everyone falls short. Everyone sins and falls short of the glory of God. And that that's why we need Jesus, that Jesus and his love... Jesus loves you and I right now in the darkest, most hideous parts of ourselves. He sees right now. You know, whatever the things are that are difficult to even look at in ourselves, Jesus sees it with all cl clearly. We're not fooling him or, you know, it's not like we're hiding things just because we hide them from people or hide them from ourselves. Jesus sees that and loves us. And God said that he sent his only begotten son to wash us clean from every sin, that there is nothing that we have done or that we won't do that Jesus' blood did not pay for to cleanse us from all sin and unrighteousness. And so that's how we can feel safe looking at these things because we're absolutely loved by God in our current state right now no matter what. Whether we change or we don't change, we're still loved. Um, and then there's another one that says, uh, in Romans 3 and verse 10, it says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. And this is, again, if we try to 
be righteous in our own sight where we judge ourselves or compare ourselves or feel like we're so good or we're goody goodies, goody two shoes or, you know, I walk with God, I will go to church or whatever that is. The Bible says when we're in touch with that, it's just arrogance and pride and we're, you know, closing our eyes to the places that we want to, that we need to grow and heal and that there's no real peace in that. So we want to even as a community, that's one of the reasons that in our, on the left there you'll see, that's our vision statement. One of the things that we are passionate about as a church is that we are, that we are safe, that our community is safe, that people could expose their flawed, broken parts without guilt or shame so that there could be healing. That our community is committed to being like that, and we even want to pass it on because oftentimes churches aren't places you can be. You know, you, you know, oftentimes there's places that you cannot be your flawed, broken self without guilt or shame. And that's not the will of God. That's not how God looks at things. Because it takes time to heal and to change and to grow, and you need grace and love in it. So let's go to um, Matthew 7 and verse 3. This is uh, one of my favorite verses. It just cracks me up. Uh, and I can almost picture, this is Jesus speaking. There's a, a video uh, on the book of Matthew. There's, um, if any of you guys have seen a video that was made maybe 15 years ago, uh, that is, um, it's the whole book of Matthew, word for word, um, from the Bible, acted out, and there's nothing added or subtracted, so it's kind of cool, and the actor is just a really nice Jesus, you know, like a cool, sweet Jesus, and so he does this, and it's pretty funny. Um, because I, I can imagine that this probably would be what it would look like when Jesus taught this. It said, he says in verse 3, And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, there's a plank in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, then you will clearly, see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So in the video, the, the guy does it, and he picks up like a big old thing, you know, to stick in his eye, because it's like a telephone pole or, you know, big giant, you know, piece of wood. And he's going, here, come here, let me take the speck out of your eye, you know, and you don't see that there's this giant plank in your own eye. It's... It's a ridiculous, you know, sort of example, but how often have we done this or seen other people do this? It's just like, really? Okay, you have room to talk. Do you know? It's sort of, it, it's funny because a plank is wood and the speck is also, it's like a piece of sawdust is also wood. So they're made of the same material, but the irony of this is that the person that has a lot of problems is looking to try and fix the one little speck in his brother's eye of the same issues. So, you know, we want to be on the other side of things. We want to be where, where if we have the speck, we're really looking at the speck when we're looking at the person with the plank. You know, a great way to have, to, to experience grace for ourselves as well as build relationships and safety is just to get in the habit, if you're seeing sin or shortcoming in somebody else's life, to look at where it lives in you. Is it there any place that it's still living in you? Now, that doesn't mean 
that that will happen 100% of the time. There might be things that you have really worked at and dealt with and overcome in your life that it's just not living inside of you anymore. That's legit. So you don't want to own things that seriously you cannot own. We're not talking about that at all. But what you want to do is in every situation, have it be an opportunity if you're seeing a shortcoming in somebody else to just look. It softens your heart to, because oftentimes what happens in breakdowns of relationships as we talked about last week, when somebody's doing something wrong, that instead of connecting with our heart, we, go, we become the judge and disconnect, do you know? And try and say, okay, you've done that, you're wrong, you're bad. You know, instead of being for the relationship, we talked about why do you speak up to be closer to somebody? That you want to speak up and talk about a problem in a place that's from love because you want to connect and be closer. Same way on the other side of this, when, when you're, t you know, like we, last week was more focused on telling somebody else when they have the problem. But if you're seeing a problem in somebody else, to just look and just go, does it come, does it show up in me? Is there any place, hey, to some degree, you should be able to find a place that this has lived for you in a way that you've been guilty in even a small way. It's kind of like, you know, as, as um, I mentioned before, my day job, I teach acting. And um, the way that I teach acting is to do this. Like, when you want to relate to somebody, even if it's somebody really extreme that you don't understand, like you're playing a murderer. And you're like, well, I haven't killed anybody. You know, good, okay, good thing. Um, but how do you relate to that? Because you could sit there in the judge's seat and said, well, I'm not like that person. Just like the Pharisee said, thank, thank you, God, I'm not like sinners and this, and especially this guy over here. I'm glad I'm not like that guy. And Jesus said that the, <laughs> the sinner that beat on his breast and says, and said, Lord, I'm a sinner, be merciful to me. A sinner went home righteous, not the Pharisee that was just like, I'm glad I'm not like these other people. So we want to not have that heart where we're looking around going, sure glad I don't have that problem, you know, or, 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 or have a heart like that. But to just look, like for instance, you know, what I tell people on the whole thing, because I did gang ministry for a while and talked to people that killed people. You know, I spent time, it was just the most shocking thing in the world. Like I was having conversations and people were talking about killing people. I was like, wow. First, I thought they were lying, you know, and then I started finding out, oh, gosh, they're telling me the truth. <laughs> it was just like, you know, but it was like, how do I relate to that? So I just think about wanting to understand and to get it. And there are parts that I could see in myself of even understanding wanting to retaliate, understanding times in my life of having my heart be about revenge. I go, you know what? I can relate to that. I've definitely gone there. You know, I've thought about, you know, you, I, I read crime sometimes and I fantasize, I want to beat the heck out of somebody, you know? You ever think that when you read about a crime? You know, like some of these horrible crimes, it's like, oh, I'd like to take a baseball bat to you, you know? You've thought that, right? Everybody's looking at me like I'm crazy. You had those moments, right? <laughs> so it's just sort of like, I can understand that. It helps me to understand whatever that is of where something has, has that I can connect to, that I can relate and have compassion. Jesus had compassion on the multitudes, and Jesus walked without sin. You know, he had understanding you know, but his heart stayed soft. So we want to get in that habit, no matter who it is we're talking about, even if they have the bigger sin than we do, 
you know, or in our relationship, even if they have done the worst thing, it's not a bad thing to start off with saying, what could you own? I'm sorry I haven't communicated better. I wish, I'm sorry, I have to own and, and apologize. I should have spoken up sooner. I'm sorry that I let this get so far, you know. I, you really deserved hearing from me earlier, but you know, when I first started feeling bothered about this, you know, before it built resentment. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see how it softens hearts now? Again, if you know that you're loved by God and you have grace, it keeps your heart safe, and it's, you don't have to worry about somebody getting over on you or getting up on you or whatever. Do you know what I, like, oh, I don't want anybody taking advantage of me. I, I'm a sinner, I need grace, I need Jesus. If somebody wants to do that, sad for them. Seriously, if I own something and make amends and, you know, and humble myself in a way of taking ownership and somebody wants to stay angry, hey, I, I can live with the fact that I did the best I could at owning my part and have peace and serenity in that. Even if the other person is the bigger person that has the transgression, I can speak, speak to that the way that we talked about last week. You know, if they don't want to make amends or what have you, I can't do anything about that. But it takes us off that judgment seat and it makes us compassionate. Let's take a look at um, Psalm 139 in verse 23. It says, and you see the eagerness that we want to live where we're eager to hear the part that we play, that we want to own that, that we're not, it's not horrifying to us, it's not agonizing and it can become a habit. Like, the more you get used to this, the more you're like, you know, I'm, I'm at peace with the fact that I make mistakes, I'm going to make mistakes, I, you know, I'm trying, I'm learning, I'm growing. In Psalm 139 and verse 23, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, and see if there's any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Again, this is speaking about, there's, there, we're going to look at, this piece right here is saying in our prayers, we want to seek to hear the not so good stuff. We don't want to be blind to it. If I'm being a jerk to somebody, I want to know. You know, I was just talking to Patty earlier, you know, because my years ago, somebody said something to me because I'm a very driven, task-oriented person. And somebody said to me that they felt... Um, uh, like that they didn't matter, that I wasn't very, if I got into task mode that I would ignore them and not be very warm. You know, I was just like, I don't want to be that person. Thankfully, somebody said something to me so that I go, I don't want to be that. You know, where I'm so about getting stuff done that somebody comes in, I'm like, don't even look up to say hello. Do you know? I mean, God's about people. His values are people. So I want to take time to go, hi, how you doing? Good to see you. You know, What's it gonna, do you know what I'm saying? So it's a minute. But if I, somebody hadn't spoken to me, that was, I felt pretty bad about that. I felt pretty stupid when somebody was like, oh, yeah, I do that. That's awful. I don't want to be that person. That's kind of like, um, you know, not, I don't like that I'm coming off that way. But because of that, it's helped me to build a habit of shifting how I relate. You know, I'm doing the best I can. I'm, I still make mistakes in that, too, I'm, I'm sure. But more people tell me something then I can shift it. But it's asking God to help. Like, we want to see where we can change and where we can grow and where we're not doing our best and, you know, et cetera. And so one area is, is to get to be eager to search it out, to ask God, to pray, say, God, show me. Another one is in Psalm, there's two verses I want to show you. 
Um, in Psalm 141 and verse 5, it says, Let the righteous strike me, it shall be a kindness, and let him rebuke me. It shall be as excellent oil, let my head not refuse it. For still my prayer is against the deeds of the wicked. So it's talking about, <laughs> this kind of, probably sounds kind of intense, but it's saying the righteous is that, that we want, especially if there are people's lives that are where we want to be, you know, in terms of their spiritual walk, etc. We want to invite feedback. I, there was a time that my counselors around me were giving me really bad advice. You know, I had friends that were saying, yeah, go sleep with that guy. Here, your husband doesn't deserve you, you know? Like, those are not the friends you want to surround to give you advice. It's not that husband, but <laughs> when I was married before. But, um, you know, but those are the people that I was listening to. So that would not be the person that you're inviting for, for, to, to, to give you feedback. You know, you, you get to choose. Do you put people around you that you know, are just going to foster you're staying stuck in the same places that you're stuck, or are you going to put people in your life that are going to help encourage you? So it's saying, <laughs> it's saying, it'll be a kindness. Like, smack me upside the head. I'm saying this to all of you. If I'm doing something stupid, smack me upside the head. I know you're not going to really smack me, but... But it's kind of that. I, I think of that as a figure of speech of just like, Nancy, wake up. Smell the coffee. It should be a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It'll be like oil on my head, like a blessing, it says. And then there's another one in James uh, 5.16. It says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So we want to be in a place that we're asking for feedback. So I want to I just make you think a little bit. And maybe you could write this down. There's a place for notes in your programs. When's the last time you asked for feedback? How often do you ask for feedback? Who are the people you're asking for feedback from? Is it a lifestyle? Is it a habit? When's the last time you got some feedback? You know, on areas. Is that the place we want? Because honestly, that's how we can grow and shift like as quickly as possible, it's, it's, it'll help us not to stay stuck like the guy that got married three times and it's all the women's fault. Like really, it's gonna happen again. This guy, is, if he's gonna get married, guess what? Do you think his marriage will be successful the fourth time around? He doesn't got a chance. Because all he's relating to it is that it's all those women's fault. He's not even looking at what the part is that he played. So this is hurting him. This is, why we're, this is why we want to look at this stuff, because these are the things that keep us stuck from all God wants for our lives to be blessed. I mean, wouldn't you rather if, you know, you're in bad relationships and to fix it? It took me years to wake up. I was doing stupid stuff in relationships for years and years. I had to hit a bottom before I finally was like, okay, I need to get some input, and finally signed up and went to go see a counselor in that to change the patterns as far as relationships in my life. So we want to be eager. We want to be putting ourselves into that place uh, that we are getting feedback, but also not from crazy people. Um, let's do another one. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 7 and verse 9, it says, Now I rejoice, 
Not that I made you sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance, for you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance, which is a change of heart or a change of mind, leading to salvation or deliverance or wholeness. Not to be regretted, but sorrow of the world produces death. And that's what I want to talk to you about because we want to get where the sorrow, that it's not going to, Whenever you hear something bad about yourself, don't expect that you're going to just love it. You know, no matter what, it's not going to be like, yay, you know, not that. It'll feel probably seeing something that you weren't aware of in your life will probably initially be like, ugh, yuck, you know. But it says that godly sorrow is a sorrow where we're seeing something and it leads to change. If you're not doing something, if there's any way of making yourself feel bad that's not moving, it's not good sorrow. And it says, so there's two kinds of sorrow here. Worldly sorrow produces death. That's the shaming voices we talked about. It is not helpful to look at something that you fall short and be harsh and shaming is not moving forward. Say, you loser, you piece of crap. When are you going to learn? You keep doing that over and over again. You suck. No wonder nobody likes you. No No wonder nobody's calling you. You know what? If people aren't calling you, take a look. Why? You know, it's just like I know people that's everybody else's fault. Nobody's picking up the phone to call you. Well, you know, but instead of shaming yourself, just go, oh, that's interesting. You know? Maybe ask for feedback. Ask some people. You know, I really enjoy your, you know, being with you and your company, but it seems like I'm always initiating things. Is there something I could do to make it easier or to be more accessible? You know. Just things like that. But the way you want to speak to yourself Because shaming voices make you want to hide sin and shortcomings. That's the part that makes you not want to say anything to anybody or deal with it, is because you feel like... So you want to know how to self-talk with your faults, with grace and with love. Very important. Hey, wow, that does really suck about me, but I am loved by God anyway. God loves me right now in the condition. Whatever it is that you're struggling with, God loves you right now. It is by grace. All have sinned, but I can learn, I can change. That's all I can do. My therapist once told me when I was trying to get back on track with some things and make some changes, and I kept failing, you know, um... But she's like, all you can be, do is be on the path and keep, when you get off the path, keep coming back on it. Some people do that with church. I haven't been to church for so long. God hates me. He's mad at me. That's not true. God loves you if you never come to church, right? Seriously. God loves you if you never crack a Bible open. God loves you if you never pray. God loves you if you never give. You know, whatever that is. You never go to church. God loves you. It's by grace we're saved. The only reason we do any of those things is not not for God. God tells us to do those things for us. We pray because it's good for us. 
We give because it's good for us. All the things God tells us to do, he just wants us to, you know, he tells us to do them because they are a blessing to our lives, not because he withdraws his love, he's a, he doesn't want to be with us, none of that. Go to church, it's a blessing for us. Helps us feel close to God. Honestly, going to church, it makes you feel less shame and guilt. You're just going, oh, yeah, I kept thinking God only loves me when I'm good. Oh, yeah, I needed to get reminded, you know. It's normal to fail no matter what the change is. You know, I was, um, years ago, uh, when I was married to my first husband, I had been in a place where I had never been faithful to anybody my entire life. So, do you know, it was a massive change to change that. That was a pattern of my whole life, you know, as long as I can remember, cheated on every single person, out of control when it came to, I was promiscuous, it was just, it was just a mess. I was thinking that I was going to have great love that way, didn't, you know, but I got to the place that I was hurting so bad that I needed to get help. Well, guess what? When I started to change, it wasn't overnight. I kept slipping. You know, I kept trying to get back on track and trying to get, change the behaviors. And I kept slipping. God loved me the whole time. God loved me before. God loved me before I, even while I didn't even want to change yet. I, find, I changed and I got it because the, what I was doing was hurting me and making my life horrible. That's the only reason God wants any of us to change. You know, is for us. But God loves us all through that. And so you, that's part of it too, is I knew, I knew God loved me. I knew God loved me if I never changed that part of my life. I knew it. I knew his love was right there for me, even if I decided to never change that. That that's what he sent Jesus for. That's how you're able to look at these things without shame. So if uh, we don't, um, if you want to later, you might want to look up Proverbs 14, 8. We won't go there, but it's about the whole thing of we want to do what we can to men. So let me kind of talk about this because we want to the power of ownership. There's a lot of power in it. I'm telling you, when I really got where I was excited and embracing this, big things started happening in my life, where there was not shame, you know, where I was just like, bring it, bring it, bring it. I want to see what I can't see, you know. But you can't change anything if you're not willing to look at it. You want to focus on what you can do something about and not have our dialogue be about other people and how they should be changing. You can talk about that all day. They're not going to change anything. You... You're going to stay stuck otherwise. We don't want shaming voices is not the same as ownership. Totally different. Godly sorrow, worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow is acknowledging it without the shame, knowing that we're loved and we have grace just the same. We want to ask God for input on this to show us these things. We want to ask others for input on these things because then we can move forward in that. Amen. So let me, um, next week we're going to talk about the power of others. We've got two more weeks of Own Your Power. Next week, Own Your, the power of others. And then the week after that, the power of letting go. So let me close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your goodness and your love that it is by grace. Help us to see the places that we're stuck and the places that might be kind of dark and a little icky, but that you love us and that you are full of grace. 
uh, and that you're patient, that we can fail over and over and over again, but God, um, you still love us all the same. And I thank you for these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.